to say hi to Steve Vines. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, we're there again, aren't we? I know. June the 4th. Absolutely. Yeah, almost two decades on. And tonight, as every other anniversary since June the 4th, uh, there has been, there will be, and there has been these massive demonstrations in Victoria Park. But, of course, this year is different. Well, last year was sort of different, but this year is more different, different. And I think that's kind of interesting and kind of worrying. Different in the sense that you now have this rise, particularly among, apparently, young people, of so-called localism or nativism. And they're saying, ah, we're not going along to the June 4th vigil because they're too much emphasis on bringing democracy to China and not enough linking it to the Hong Kong situation. And anyway, in Hong Kong, we should just be looking after our own interests. Yeah, but on another day. Well, this would be my point too. I mean, the point is, it is commemorating an event. Some of these, I'm just going to sound, you know, old as God now, but some of these kids weren't born at the time, but, but they can all read and write, so they should be able to read the history. Some, some of them just don't get it, that this is a commemoration of an event that took place in Beijing. In fact, it didn't just take place in Beijing because other people were killed in other cities, but nonetheless, mainly in Beijing. Yep. And therefore, in all logic, a vigil to commemorate it would focus on that event. Now, it is true that at the event there's other slogans raised about, you know, um, bringing democracy to China, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is that if they feel strongly, and they're in, perfectly entitled to feel strongly, that more emphasis should be placed on bringing democracy to Hong Kong and dealing with local affairs, that's fine. And there are 364 other days of the year in which that agenda can be pursued. It doesn't have to be pursued on June 4th. Yeah. So why are they doing that? Well, some of it, I think, is sheer stupidity, frankly. I think they just don't get it. Some of it is grandstanding, you know. Some Somebody wants their little moment in the sun and they think that if they organise their own gig, they'll get a m bigger moment in the sun. Some of it is... Um, I don't know how to put this, because uh, this is an allegation that's being made and, and there's no concrete proof, but, but I'll say it anyway, because there is a, a logic to it. Some of this is dirty tricks. In other words, there are people within the uh, authorities and the Chinese government who are funding and giving support to anything that, 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 that undermines and destroys the democracy movement from within. And you can quite see why they would want to do that. Yeah. Of course, even if they aren't doing it, this is the, this is the, the, the net result. So they're definitely not going to be happy with it. Mm. But one thing that overwhelmingly should be clear to even the dullest person in the um, liaison office down there in, in Western, or indeed in the Chinese government, should they be thinking about Hong Kong on an off day, is that one of the reasons why this is very important for China is because this is an enormous event for people in Hong Kong expressing their identification with the motherland. It's quite true they're not expressing their identification with the Chinese Communist Party. But I think that's the thing that... The, the, oh, that's the, 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 the thing which they don't like, yeah. of course. But, you know, all this talk about Hong Kong people are showing insufficient loyalty, insufficient um, connection with the motherland. Yeah. If they want to know the truth, the truth is that on this occasion you find out that the much maligned Democrats and their allies are in fact very, very concerned and feel very close emotionally and in all other ways to, to the motherland. Yeah. It's just 
you know, to them, the motherland isn't synonymous with the Communist Party of China. The messages are getting confused, and as the years go on, they get more and more intertwined. James writes to me, and he says, what a lot of the kids object to is the feeling of big China, in quotes, patriotism and uber-patriotic lyrics in the songs. He says, nothing has changed in the protest since 89, and it feels very old-fashioned to the young ones. But I suppose... Uh, I suppose well, I, I, think, to that I think he's onto something. I mean, that that is true, you know. But 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 um, I I don't know whether he goes to these these events. But one of the most striking aspects of them mm. is the age mix. I mean, you literally have parents coming with very small children, mm-hmm. and they are there with with quite elderly people. They are there with middle aged people. Nobody's older than me there, of course. But okay. <laughs> but 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 the fact of the matter is. That it is, it is an enormously warm gathering of all, all ages. Yes, it's routine in some way. Yes, it's stagey. You know, that, that's what it says on the tin. That's what it is. But this there is not like a rewrite exci- of a Lloyd Webber show. No, exactly. It is what it is. It is what it is. There's not an exciting way of rewriting the um, commemoration of a massacre. There really isn't. No. But there are... Me- all, all I'm saying is, if you feel like that, there are other days... On, on, on which that particular view could be expressed. You know, what with, what with each year having 365 days, that gives you lots of scope. You could flip it on its head and say, well, what the thing about is it HKU, the guys are going to be doing something on their own. Yeah. You could say, well, it's getting spread all around town. Stuff will be happening. Well, that's, that's, so that's one good that, way of that, looking that, at that, it. That, that's, that's looking at it, um, you know, that's, that's looking at it from the outside. And, you know, I think the students who will be um, staging a protest at, at Hong Kong U. I gather there'll be something at Chinese U as well. Yeah, it spreads it around. There's nothing wrong with that. Was this bound to happen after Occupy whatever? Well, actually, that's a very interesting question because because Occupy protests changed the whole dynamic of how political activity was taking place in Hong Kong. Now you mention it, I think that that's true. It did do that. It did precisely it that. Shook up the bottle a bit, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. It did. And and we're now seeing the bits and pieces falling out. I mean, this emphasis on localism is is in some ways understandable, but is in some ways very dangerous because, you know, Hong Kong really isn't going to become an autonomous place. I think the likelihood of that happening is about as remote as it can possibly be. Yeah. So advocating it is is you're on a winner to nothing. Yeah. But I understand why people do it. I really do. I mean they fear that they're being submerged into this greater Chinese entity, that they're losing the uniqueness of Hong Kong. All of that is understandable. Mm. And there's there's an interesting and valid debate to be had about it. But yet again, I don't think this is the day to no, do I'm, it. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. um, there, I think it's some of the details of what goes on and some of the stuff. I believe there's a there's a Sons of the Dragons song that apparently turns some people off. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, Stuff like that, the things yeah, that go well, into well, the, it. The, the reason... They're turned off about it. Is that particular song is, is is you know sung by the PLA, but I like the creativity of turning you know what is a a, a core Chinese patriotic song into a vehicle for affirming the need to reassess <laughs> the massacre. I think that's that was always brilliant, and I, I, I don't understand why people don't understand the brilliance of that. There is one thing, seeing are on these little details. Yeah. Do you hear the people sing? It's not a traditional old song, it's from Les Miserables. <laughs> and there's legislators on the radio going, yes, this is an ancient old song. It's, it's not. <laughs> but all the same, it, it does the job. Yeah, 
yeah. And, and again, you know, um, there's some people who know more, more about music than others. Look, what the heck? <laughs> the the, the heck words exactly. fit. Yeah, if, the, if, it, if it fits. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I mean, people say, oh, you know, you, you used to see people on, on protests singing Bob Dylan songs, but that Bob Dylan, he wasn't really... Well, he says he didn't do it for that reason yeah, to I this know, day. Yeah, he says it. And, and they go, he's not, you know, he wasn't really, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a great protester. I, I think that's true. But what the hell? He it was doesn't also, matter. He also happened to be a genius. He, so. always, he always says, oh, I'm just a folk singer. Yes. Yeah, and but, it's true. He wasn't... But it's human nature, isn't it? People take. He wasn't that politically engaged at all. But but so what? People just take the songs. He's not like Woody Guthrie, the other great uh, uh, American uh, protest sing- songwriter, who was very politically engaged, but so what? Peter Yarrow was here in town the other day from Peter, Paul and Mary. I yeah. mean, they were full on, you know, yeah, we are, we are political activist types. Yeah. So, but anyway, the interesting thing is how this changes, how the dynamics of all this sort of stuff changes. Are we actually forgetting with all of these different movements and which are quite natural, are we actually forgetting people getting squished by tanks? Well, there is a distinct... And, and I'm not making that up because I'm looking at a picture of a bloke with half legs now yeah, and it's I horrible. I know. Uh, there, there is a danger of that. And, I mean, you know, memories do fade. But, gosh, we're talking about China. I mean, China talks about the, the, the Japanese war atrocities which took place seven decades ago as if they were yesterday. So this is a part of the world with very long memories um, this is something, the, the, the 1989 massacre is something that took place two decades ago. So it's relatively junior in, <laughs> in historical terms. So people here have very long memories. And I, 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 I personally think that if you, if you can't remember history, you're, you're, you're doomed to repeat its errors. It's a really tough one, this. How do you process this stuff? Do I mean, look, we, we, we weren't alive when certain bad things happened, but we need to know about them or we, we, we want to know about them. Mm. But where should the line be drawn and should it be drawn? The big, the big gorilla in the room, as far as China is concerned, is, of course, talking about the Cultural Revolution. Yes, yes. I mean, you, you know, do you come to terms with the past? Do you ignore the past or do you dwell on the past? All of those seem to me to be thin lines, you know. Uh, uh, is the Chinese government unduly dwelling on the past in the way that it deals with Japan. Are people, that's the big one, isn't it? That's the big one, but, you know, can you forget that? I, I really Absolutely don't not. think that you can. But, you know, there's not a... If there was a nice, neat line that you could draw between um, obsessive memory and not forgetting... I'd be very happy to draw it, but I don't see where it is. The thing about school books for, for school children, textbooks for school kids, that's a really tough one because a lot of this stuff, various things that have happened, it's very bloody, it's very ghastly. Mm. But you want to tell them, do you really want to tell them that? Or why shouldn't you tell It goes on and on, this conversation. And also you have to do um, what the new, uh, and I'm now talking about Europe rather than Germany, what, what, what the post-war German leadership decided to do to... Um, to make the world realise that, that, that Germany was going to be a different place, you had to have a leader like Willy Brandt who would go to Warsaw and in the middle of a ceremony suddenly kneel down, kneel down with everybody looking at him in front of the memorial to the victims of the Warsaw Ghetto. I mean, it was a moment that, I know it's a very long time ago, but at the time it, it did send an electric charge... And people were saying, God, that Germany, it, there's something has happened there. 
So it's not just the it, it's it's not just the victims who need to keep these things in mind because obviously they will. It's the perpetrators. Now the Chinese Communist Party has never come to terms with the Cultural Revolution. There's never been a force of apology. It's you know two parts bad, two parts good. For God's sake, two parts good. The Cultural Revolution. Tell that to the people who were starved. Still in with Steve Vines, the game that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> well, giving to certain people, <laughs> I believe, people. when it comes to football. The game that keeps on giving you Rolex watches. Yes, yes, particularly if you're a member of the FIFA executive or one of the ancillary FIFAites, as I believe they're known. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we all know the big picture. That lovely man, Seth Blatter, is much misunderstood, has had to step down. There's another guy in America who's... who's um, oh, he admitted to it. I want to read about this, actually, as we're talking. You carry on. Well, on. Yeah, you, you, you have a good read. Cracking story oh, about him. Yeah, the, 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 the big guy who was in charge of Laser. American FIFA, who apparently is weighing in at 30-something stone at the moment and can hardly move, but is coughing madly to the FBI about all the corruption... But but we kind of know all that. The, the story I like... Like? Um, <laughs> you take that with a long spoon. The story which interests me is Hong Kong's role in FIFA. Aren't you proud that we live in an SAR that voted for Seth Blatter? Aren't you proud... And, you know, it's not Hong Kong just didn't do one thing. Apparently Hong Kong was also involved in the money laundering. Well, so we this, did both. This Here is the, in Hong Kong, it's this not... Is, this is the bit I don't totally understand. I mean, in Hong Kong... Um, well, well, around the world, they give you some money. Hey, we're the big body. We want to support you. Have some cash. Yeah. And, and Which sounds fact, all right on paper. And, in fact, the rational, rationale that Timothy Fock, he who, um, <clears throat> interesting man himself, who's apparently um, the head of the Hong Kong delegation to FIFA, gave for Hong Kong voting for Set Blatter, was that um, he said, oh, but they've given us money. We've, they've given us money. I well, thought, yeah. Uh, um, Tim... Uh, you, uh, I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying nothing. He was in public talking about the money given to. But isn't that what they're supposed to do in Hong Kong? And I'm just thinking, well, yes, that's what they're supposed to do. And incidentally, it's not FIFA's money; it's football's money. Yeah. You know, the sponsors, the the, the Coca Colas, the Visas, and other brands are available um, who give money to FIFA um, are supposed to be giving it to the sport, not to the institution. I mean, I know they have to have a nice office in Switzerland, as we all do. Um, and, you, you know, come visit mine. It's got sofas in every corner. Brilliant. And cheese. But, um, <laughs> yes, yes. Giving out money to the to the organisations, developing women's football, developing this, developing stadia, etc. That's good. That's actually what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So, um, Dim Tim says, well, we had to vote for him because... We got money from FIFA. And we're tiny. And we're tiny, and uh, other Asians did it, um, and I've run out of excuses. Um, well, next. The, the, big, the big thing about this one is, I mean, you want, <laughs> you want to talk about democracy. So, basically, it's... Your, it's what, how do we describe this? Like, everybody has one vote. Yes. You, you could be, you know, East, whatever, in the middle of the... You, the tiniest place has the same vote as Brazil. Yes, yes. And and all of those organisations, including the Hong Kong one, are marvellously democratically organised. There's a word not lurking somewhere in that sentence, so I don't quite know where that goes. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, just look at the Hong Kong situation. Um, Timothy Fock is, is 
uh, still, I think, chairman of the Hong Kong Olympic Committee. He's, he's head of the... And bar. Uh, um, dec- <laughs> the bar. <laughs> DC bar, and bar. bar t- <laughs> head of the Hong Bronze Kong delegation to FIFA. Thingy. In fact, um, on back chat, they had a hapless bloke on who, who was... A, I think Hong Kong sent three people. One of the, the, the hapless... Because there's always a hapless squire in these things who, who was part of that delegation. says, well, I, I, I don't actually know how... Uh, whether um, our, our chairman voted for him, I'm thinking, you're on the delegation, even you don't know. I mean, everybody else knew. We knew. Uh, I, mean, I saw it on Facebook. You saw it on Facebook. <laughs> Is that on the internet? In the internet. Yeah, I'm sure it's a coming thing. And um, But the, the fact that, that this bloke, who's actually part of the delegation, clearly didn't even take part in the discussion on who the delegation was going to vote for tells you something. And and it tells you something about the dangers of democracy, of course, but everything tells you something about that. This is that. true. Democracy bad. But well, this kind is. This kind is. I mean, <laughs> anyway, so they're going to they're going to clear up the stables at um, uh, at FIFA now. Hong Kong, uh, I'm sure, will play play its role. Um, we 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 look to Timothy Fock for the leadership. And the resolute stand that he's taken in favour of corrupt officials. I mean, what was there ever about Sepp Blatter that you didn't know? Either he ran an organisation for two decades and was so dim that he had no idea what was going on, and there's no doubt things were going on, or his hand was in the till along with the rest of them. (laughs) So either explanation, neither of those explanations is is favourable to him. Well, the big thing... And they're, they're witching on, they're saying, oh, yes, but he hasn't been convicted yet. Well, yes, yes, that's true. Mm. <laughs> Benefit of the that's, doubt, that's, old chap. That's been used many, many times. Benefit of the doubt, yeah. yes. That's been, that's been used many, many times. So, so the ignorance defence is, is the one they're going to use, Al Capone well was done. a similar one, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they got him on filling the books. <laughs> yeah, tax evasion, yeah. The big thing now for this is obviously going to be the Middle East a- angle, the, the, the Qatar. Qatar, yes. And people think that that stinks. Well, um, there's the even talk of a boycott of the, from the, Europe. The, the chairman of the the English FA is saying Greg that Dyke. Greg Dyke, yeah, ex of the BBC, and, and is other it the things. same Greg Dyke? Good yes, morning, it is, yes. good morning TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a geezer, isn't he? He's a geezer. He, he said, you know, if he was a Qatari football official, he'd be busy making other plans for that particular summer. Yeah, but this is people who are already, you know, if it, but this, it did always make sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say this is going to be the, the nirvana because yeah. this is what all this stuff has been about. But, getting it, but that. it's always made perfect sense to have a, a World Cup in in a country that had forty degrees centigrade. I know it's brilliant. Temperatures in the summer has no footballing tradition whatsoever, and there's never really shown any interest in football before. So, why anybody would have thought there was a problem with going to Qatar for the World Cup? Well, they do. I don't which know. is which is. I mean, yeah, they do. They do. I wonder who's going to take over though. Because, I mean, the, the, the cynics are saying, oh, it's just going to be another crony. Well, this is the question, isn't it? And, and, and there's also a, a very real prospect of, of the European uh, Football Association pulling out of FIFA. That's right. They've so, about you it. know, think about it, you know, Italy, Spain, England even, um, pulling out of a, a world football organisation. It don't leave you with a lot. But the thing is, if it makes the point, if it, if it makes your case that we are clean, sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and do these things. Well, I think that's what Greg Dyke, on behalf of the English FA, was saying. So whether the other ones are thinking on those lines remains to be seen. I mean, they, they, they ran this candidate against Blasser, the, uh, Prince Ali of, of Jordan, I think it was, who, mm. who you know whose main qualifications seem for the job seem to be that he wasn't set blatter. 
I don't think he had that many other qualifications for it. And, and you know, Hong Kong was bravely voting against him, so that was good. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, let's get away from a subject. But uh, shall we go to another democratic subject? We know nothing subject? about. Go on, then. The Hung Yi Kuk. Oh, you go on. It's, it's, it's closely related, actually. Yeah. So, Lao Wung Fat has, has stepped down. Mm-hmm. After 579 years of being chairman, I may have got one of those years wrong, but it's something like that. Nearest down. And he said, anybody, anybody in Hong Kong who's my son can take over. And lo and behold, his he son, did. Kenneth Lau, <laughs> is the new boss. And he said, and you can't make this stuff up. I mean, you know, I come a long way to walk into this studio and I, I can't make this stuff up. He said, well, goodness me, how can anybody... <laughs> How can anybody say that that I've been influenced by my father? I'm over 18. And what's more, I signed my own nomination form. So he can write. He is over 18. I believe he's in his 40s, actually. And he he, he can sign his own name. So uh, are there any other qualifications that you think would be needed for a rural rural headman, as they're known? Dynastic. Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, he reminds me, he reminds me of the late, great uh, Jack Cohn of Tesco, who exploded. I think I've said this on this program before. It's it's one of the things I like about uh, 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 nepotism. He goes, nepotism? I don't know. The boy's only my (laughs) (laughs) son-in-law. Well, that, that was when his daughter Shirley Porter managed, married a chap who took over from Desco, and he was quite right. He was only son-in-law, not a blood relation at all. In this case, though, it's better because he is actually the son. Nothing to do with nepotism, and and the Hungy Cook went through an entire democratic process because they had a candidate of one to vote for. Well sorted, everything good, and they will still have. You know, remember, these are the people who I think have. Um, something like 120 seats on this wonderful nominating committee that, that, that that's um, about to elect, select and endorse the next chief executive of Hong Kong. And, you know, they represent themselves beautifully. Yeah. I mean, a better... At least something's working. Something's working very well. And they... they uh, and Lao Wong Fat, if you remember, was actually brought into the Executive Council. And some people who are concerned with propriety said, gosh... Long on the executive council. Hmm. Dot 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 dot. dot, dot. Yeah. I say no more. You fill in the you fill in the gaps. Tell me this news. Government plans more talks with pandems. They've made it blindingly clear that they're going to chuck this thing out. Um, are we getting panic from the other side? Genuine no. fear and panic no. from the other side. No, not at all. I think what happened uh, last. Well, I don't think what happened. I've, I've spoken now to two participants in the meeting last Sunday. Yep. Both of whom were absolutely. They're from the democratic side of the fence, but they were absolutely gobsmacked by the atmosphere of that meeting, which was one of pure confrontation. There wasn't even a scintilla, scintilla of hope that there was going to be a compromise. It was quite clear to them that they'd only been brought there to be told off told off and read the riot act and warned that if you don't vote for this we'll do even worse things they're not in any mood at all for compromise they don't want this to pass i mean i've believed this for a long time and now it's clear as the nose on your face they they don't have the smallest inclination to do anything to um ensure that the legislation gets through in the next less than two weeks now they're basically saying 
okay, you want the status quo, you'll have the status quo. We're happy with the status quo. We're happy with the phony new election system. doesn't matter to us. Whatever happens, what we really want to do is make sure that the Democrats become a, a, a diminished political force. You know, the thing that's interesting here is this is a, a, a bunch of people making a mockery of some very important Chinese guys who've gone in years gone by. Very yeah. important. Well, I- I- indeed. I mean, you know, when, when you say you're going to have one man vote, that implicit in that very obviously is the idea that, that, that you can vote for who you like, not for who you're told to like. Mm. So, I mean, I, I don't think why we have to have a serious debate about that. All this is, oh, well, it's some sort of progress. Well, yeah, yeah. What really interests me is why Lan Chong Ying hasn't resigned. <laughs> 